seriously popular. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The former nurse, Lucy Letby, has been found guilty of murdering seven babies and attempting to kill six others at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Between June 2015 and June 2016, babies who seemed to be doing reasonably well would suddenly collapse. Lucy Letby was the common factor. The verdicts make the 33-year-old Britain's most prolific baby killer. Lucy Letby, I sentence you to imprisonment for life. This was a podcast about one of the most anticipated criminal trials for years. It's now a podcast about one of the worst serial killers in modern times. At 12.52pm on Friday, August the 18th, 2023, we brought you the news that a neonatal nurse was guilty of killing babies in her care. After a trial lasting for over 10 months and more than 110 hours of painstaking deliberation, the jury decided that Lucy Letby murdered seven babies at the Countess of Chester Hospital and she tried to kill six more. She was cleared of two further charges of attempted murder and the jury could not reach verdicts on six further allegations. I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for the Mail. I've been in court throughout and have reported on the case as it developed. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist. Every week we've examined what's happened and brought you the details behind the headlines. This is the trial of Lucy Letby. Welcome to episode 58, The Twins. Caroline, the case has been so distressing, obviously, for the families of the babies involved. And anyone that's listened to the podcast will know that we haven't been able to name any of these children or their parents. But we were lucky enough that one couple were generous enough to speak to us and tell us exactly how this terrible, terrible case has impacted on them. So you sat down, Liz, at length with the parents of baby L and baby M. Just before we play that interview, because we're not identifying the parents of baby L and baby M, actors have voiced up their words, but you did sit down with them at length. And I wonder whether you'd just remind us of the situations with their twins. So babies L and M were twin boys. As you say, they were born at the beginning of April 2016, you will remember that they were doing well and then suddenly on the same shift, baby M collapsed. Suddenly the allegation was that Lucy Letby injected air into his bloodstream. I mean, he 
actually almost died only through the immense skill of the doctors and nurses at the Countess was he saved. He had nearly 30 minutes of CPR and they effectively brought him back to life. Dr. J. Ram's evidence was that they were about to give up when he miraculously came back to life and his heart started beating again. So he, he's lucky to still be with us. And in fact, in the interview, the dad of baby M doesn't say this, but he told us this later, didn't he, that for him, Dr. J. Ram is a hero. Yeah, he said, you know, he saved his boy's life and they would only have one, likely have one child if it wasn't for Dr. J. Ram and the other skilled nurses on the unit. For baby L, he was the second baby on the unit to be poisoned with insulin. Yeah, that's right. You'll remember that baby F had been poisoned with insulin eight months earlier, but nobody had spotted it. Blood test results from him had been phoned through to the Countess, but nobody really appreciated the significance and he was discharged and became well again. So it went completely unnoticed and under the radar. And in fact, you'll hear in this interview that the parents of baby L and M had no idea that baby L had been poisoned with insulin or had any problems with his blood sugar at all until the police came knocking more than nearly two years later. Yeah, because what happened in that case, and we did go over this in the podcast, in the episode about baby L, was that he became unwell overnight and then stabilised. So the family were never told. No, his blood sugar picked up and the dextrose bag that Lucy let be poisoned was changed and he recovered and a few weeks later was well enough for both boys to be discharged. So again, that blood test result, when it came back several days later from the specialist lab in Liverpool, was noted in his records by a, a junior doctor who, again, didn't appreciate the significance. So again, another chance to potentially stop Lucy Letby was missed. OK, let's play this interview, Liz. So how are you feeling at the moment? Me personally, it's been very difficult, very mentally and physically draining. Also working at the same time, getting time off work, it's been, been challenging. Previously, we didn't know our other child was involved with the attempted murder. We knew about Baby M, what happened on the 9th of April 2016. And until then we were very, very happy. And we were celebrating the second day of our children. Our, our family came from London and then they said, wow, congratulations, you've become the mother of two children. I was very happy. We were over the moon. Then suddenly at four o'clock, the nurse came and said, you need to come downstairs. I was very sore. And I thought, that morning I was giggling with my kids and they were very, very happy in their cots. Then suddenly this happened. So just tell me at which point you realised things were going wrong. Well, on the Saturday, the 9th of April, we'd come down with my parents to see the boys. Everything was going well. We held the boys. We went back upstairs because my wife was in the ward upstairs. And then within 10, 15 minutes, a nurse is coming, charging upstairs, saying you need to come back down. And I was there first because my wife was still in bed. I was the first one into the unit at that time. The image that I saw was just horrendous. That image I'll never forget because it's on the brain. He was just crying, crying. And I said, oh my God, what happened? And the doctor was giving compressions to baby M. One of the nurses, Mary Griffith, said to me, I've not done anything. I've not done anything. And, and Lucy was behind her and... I was just praying to God, saying, what has happened to my child? I, I've not done anything wrong in my life to anybody, so why do I have to suffer? And then after 30 minutes, he recovered. 
So just take me back to that image. Just explain what you saw when you went down to the unit. When I went down, I saw doctors around the trolley and they're just pumping his heart like like a rag doll, really. He was just like a doll and they were just going like that, like that, to the chest. I was just, I was just full of the tears. I didn't know what to think. We're first-time parents. We didn't know what was going on. They were prescribing medication and they were ready to give up. Dr. Jayaram was ready to give up after 30 minutes and then all of a sudden, baby M just came back to life out of nowhere. By the grace of God, he's okay today. The doctors told us that kind of thing happens in premature babies because they're premature and at that time, we believed what the doctors were telling us because we didn't know any different. So what did you see of Lucy Letby at that point? She was just standing like that. She was very cool, calm, calculated and a criminal-minded lady, but we didn't notice anything at the time. She was standing calm and, and cool. And what I can remember was Mary Griffith's face. She was saying, I've not done anything. I've not done anything. But at that time, I didn't know her name. But when I saw her in court, I knew her name. And I told the police, she's the nurse who said to me, I've not done anything. I've not done anything. And Lucy was standing behind Mary Griffiths and Mary Griffiths was very worried and panicked. And I think it's right, isn't it, that you didn't realise at that stage that anything had happened to your other son? We didn't know anything even afterwards until the police came knocking. It's really shocking to hear you say that you had no idea that Baby L suffered any deterioration on the unit. So for years you had no clue that he had potentially some symptoms of any illness or problem. How did you feel when you heard that? Well, when we heard about Baby L's issue, we were shocked because the hospital had not told us. Yes, exactly. When the police came to our house and told us, your second child is involved with Lucy, we were shocked and we said we didn't know about Baby L. Why had they not told us about Baby L? We did know about Baby M, but they hadn't told us about Baby L. No, not the insulin and all the blood sugars and all that. We didn't know anything about that until the police came. Every day we rang in the morning and we asked, how are our boys? And they said, actually, they're doing very well, actually. And then when my husband went to work, he would ring the hospital and ask, how are our boys? And he would be told that they're doing very well. They're doing very good every single day. My husband rang every day, evening and morning. How are my boys doing? And they said, very well, but they didn't describe anything happening to baby L. And how did you feel when you heard that? We just couldn't believe it. We knew about baby M and we accepted that bit. But we didn't know what baby L had gone through the night before. It was just unbelievable. We couldn't believe it. And what we had heard in court up until nine o'clock, Mary Griffith and Lucy were there at night time with baby L. And as soon as Mary Griffith left at half past nine, and she got the chance to attack baby L and administer insulin to baby L. Very high level of insulin, poisonous insulin. It's all very difficult. We can't imagine at that time. What did you think about Lucy Letby when she gave evidence in her defence and denied everything? It was either her or somebody else. There was only two people there and she's the only one who's been, is in the dock for it. And I'm sure the police have investigated the other nurse who was on the shift. So it's only, it's one or the other and I don't think it's the wrong nurse. On her second interview with the police on 12th of June 2019, she accepted that someone has given insulin to baby L, and it's a very high volume of insulin, so she must be aware. Only she and Mary Griffith were in the room. And Lucy Letby was often on duty, wasn't she, looking after your boys? She always liked extra time. 
she asked us to change a nappy and we'd said to her, oh, we're very scared about changing nappies because we were first time parents. So can you show us how to change a nappy? Because my kids are very small and tiny. And at the time, her body language and her behavior totally changed. I asked her, Lucy, do you work all day and nighttime? And she said, yes, I'm working extra time. And you're saying she was more aggressive after the boys recovered because she was frustrated that she hadn't managed to kill them? After the incident happened, I think she was unsuccessful with killing my kids. That's why she was very annoyed with us. She thought that I couldn't kill your baby. And then in June, my kids were discharged. She asked another doctor, do I have to be worried about what Dr. Gibbs has said? That means she was now suspecting about herself that she did all the things. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So we know that months before your boys were attacked, that Lucy Letby had been flagged as a concern by the consultants, but she was still allowed to work. What do you think about that? Whenever the deaths of the babies was happening and I was in the hospital and then many of the parents said, today this baby died, today this baby died. And I thought, oh my God, so many babies have died. And, and then the parents said, maybe it's because they're premature babies. And I thought, oh my God, my boys are also premature and seven weeks early. And I thought, oh my God. But I said to them, my boys are very healthy because when they were born, the doctor said, your boys are very healthy. Dr. Gibbs also said to me, don't worry, your boys are very healthy. And and then the parents are discussing, this baby died, this girl died, this boy died. Oh my God. It gave me such a headache. I I didn't want to go to the hospital. I, I just want to ring and see how they were doing. But my husband said, it's better if we just go to the hospital and see what has happened to our kids. So do you think the hospital should have done more to get Lucy Letby off the unit? Yes, definitely. Definitely. They had the chances to do that before 2016. They could have done in 2015 when Dr Jayaram brought it up with the head of nursing. Why did they wait until 2016? As soon as two or three babies died, why wait until 17 babies? I'll blame the hospital as well. And what difference do you think it would have made if the hospital bosses had listened and paid more attention to the doctors? 
If they'd acted upon the initial suspicions, then they definitely could have stopped any more babies being attacked. It would have prevented multiple deaths, really. It didn't have to be that many. It could have been a couple, maybe. The investigations could have started and she would have been off the unit and they would have been able to investigate properly. And she was always lying and said the babies have infections and the experts say it's not about the infection. Infection is not the cause of death, it's the unnatural cause. So how did you feel when you heard her in court denying time and time again that she'd done anything to harm any baby? I feel very sick of her. Oh my God, I I go home with a headache. I have to take paracetamol every day when I go home just because I have to listen to her lie and lie and lie. And I say now, enough. Don't tell lies, please. When you've sat there in the dock and taken the oath, I think just please say everything that's right and, and true. So why are you telling lies? You are lying to yourself and to your religion also. Why? So we know many families have been impacted by what Lucy Letby's done. Just explain to us exactly the impact this has had on your family and whether your sons have suffered any life-changing, lifelong injuries. She took everything. Our joy, happiness. I'm not the same person I was before. And in the run-up to the, to the case, I'd suffered a seizure. Before October, I suffered a seizure. It's just constant. I'm a changed person. It's hard to put into words just how it could have gone on so long, why it went on so long. These are the answers we need. But that's a different part of the investigation. We have to wait for the hospital to answer those questions. But it could have been stopped. That's the fact. It could have been stopped by the head of, head of nursing. So you've talked about something should have been done sooner. So do you think there should be some sort of inquiry into what happened at the hospital and why she was allowed to get away with this for so long? Yes, definitely. Something needs to be done there. The head of nursing needs to be accountable. She refused to take Lucy Letby out of the unit. She didn't listen to the doctor and things just carried on. She has to take the responsibility. She made that decision. She could have stopped this long before. Because she created the impression to the doctors, to the staff and everyone that I'm a very good nurse, I'm doing very well. She created that impression and pressured the doctors and everyone. That's why no one suspected her. It's really shocking to hear you say that you had no idea that baby L suffered any deterioration on the unit. So for years you had no clue that he had potentially some symptoms of any illness or problem. They haven't said anything to us. Every time we rang them and they didn't say anything to us. They never mentioned baby L. We didn't even know until the police came and told us about the ratio between C-peptide and insulin. Otherwise we would never have known. Have you been to doctors now you know what's happened to him? As far as we know, Baby M did have a scan and the doctors did say that one part of his brain is damaged permanently. So he might may deviate from his peers and stuff. At the moment, if you look at him, you wouldn't think any differently, just like a normal child. So it's something we'll just have to keep monitoring over the years as the years progress. Baby L also, whenever he sleeps at night time, his head is totally wet. He sweats every night. He says... Mummy, it's so sweaty, my head, whenever I sleep at night time. And I said, come on and sit near the fan. So he sits near the fan to dry his hair every day. I took him to the GP and then the GP is saying, it's normal, just keep an eye on them. We know, don't we, that eight months before baby L was attacked and poisoned with insulin, that another baby, baby F, was poisoned as well. But those blood tests were missed. Nobody realised their significance. I blame the doctors and the hospital. But then again, it wasn't, it wasn't the Liverpool hospital. They actually rang the results through. 
The people at Chester are the ones that didn't act upon those results because by the morning he had recovered. So they didn't act upon those results. But they never told us. As a parent, surely you tell us. Whatever happens, even if it's minor or whatever, they need to tell the parents at least. This happened in the night. I couldn't believe it. The similar incident happened a few months prior to that and fortunately we got a friendship with that family because of similarities and stuff. But unfortunately their son is disabled. So we think we're quite lucky with our child. And like I say, they should have investigated that one and then it probably would have never got down to us. They may have stopped it by then. And do you feel let down by the hospital? Very, very let down. They could have stopped it. They could have done it a lot earlier. And they need to be held accountable as well. Obviously, I know they didn't know there was a poisoner at work. And it's difficult to prove that. But the doctors did speak up. The doctors spoke up in 2015. They should have acted on that. There's no way she should have been able to get away with it for so long. You mentioned that you've suffered a seizure as a consequence of all the stress of this. What other impact has it had on your life? I was happy-go-lucky, you know. Go with the flow. Always smiling. But now I've become reserved, so like in the shell kind of thing. And, and there's no doubt it's going to affect me for the rest of my life. There's no way you can get away from it. It's always going to be there in the back of your mind. I'm worried about my husband. Every day I'm thinking about Lucy Letby, Lucy Letby, everywhere we go to court and she comes onto the witness box and, and, and tells lies. It was very, very hard. So your sons are now seven years old. Just give us an idea of what they're like. Um, tell us a bit about them. They're always fighting. Football. And bike riding. Yesterday they were practising and practising and falling down so many times. Bruises everywhere. But I love my kids too much. Even when they fight, even when they're arguing or fighting, they are my life. And I think you've sat down your boys and told them that when they were tiny, that they were attacked. We tried to say to them that Lucy has tried to harm you, but they don't understand. They make a joke. Mummy, we will kick her, we'll bite her, we'll pull her hair. Mummy, they, they don't understand yet. We want them to know, but we don't want them to find out from anybody else in the future if we're not around. If they find out and then they say mum and dad never told us, obviously we'll speak to them again when they're a bit older, when they can understand. But it's important that they know this happened to them and they don't hear it from a third party or something. Liz, so much came out of that. Not just the emotion of what they've been through, the horror of what they've been through, but also some of the detail we'd not heard before. I was interested in that day when baby M's mother talks about him collapsing and then being called down to the unit. She says, you know, in the morning she was laughing and giggling with her boys. Everything was fine. She was told they were doing well by all the doctors. Then this sudden collapse and... It was so sudden, in fact, that the nurse looking after the boys, Mary Griffith, was saying, I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. Yeah, she sounded like she was kind of panicking, didn't she? Yeah. And Lucy Letby was stood behind her and she was saying, you know, I haven't, I haven't touched him. What, what's happened? Why has he suddenly collapsed all of a sudden? I wonder what the atmosphere was like on the unit at that point, because obviously by that stage, April 2016, we know that five babies had died since the previous June on the unit, which is 
a higher amount than normal. And they'd had a number of these unexpected collapses. So you just wonder if the nurses were thinking, what is going on here? And maybe that explains Mary Griffith's reaction. Mm, yeah, the- and, and they were almost <laughs> thinking, not another one. You know, Dr. Gibbs, in his evidence, definitely when the first triplet collapsed, baby O, talked about him walking onto the unit and thinking, oh God, here we go again, what's going on? So you wonder at that point in April 2016 whether the whole kind of atmosphere feeling on the unit was, you know, imagine it was a difficult place to work. The other thing I found really interesting in that interview with Baby L and Baby M's parents was that actually Lucy Letby had worked really closely with their babies, particularly Baby M, when he collapsed. And they developed you know, a decent relationship. She helped them change nappies. She helped them look after them because first-time parents, these babies were tiny, they wanted help and she was there to give it. And that seemed to change after the babies survived. You're right. The mum talks about how she felt her attitude towards them changed after baby M collapsed and survived. Mm. And that's the key point, that he survived and she felt that Lucy Letby was frustrated because she'd failed in that attempt to kill him. We should end, Liz, on a more positive note. The good news, Caroline, is that, you know, they're both doing really well now. They're healthy seven-year-olds. And after the interview that I did, the parents were really keen for me to meet them. And they were lovely, lovely boys. What were they doing? uh, (laughs) They were typical (laughs) seven-year-olds, you know, really cute, matching sweatshirts, sat playing Roblox. Anyone that's got young children will know (laughs) that kids love this video game called Roblox. Um, They were playing them on it looked like their mum and dad's phones and they'd just finished watching Spongebob Squarepants, (laughs) uh, scoffing Walker's Crisps and Pop. (laughs) You know, they were typical seven-year-olds, lovely, chatty, gorgeous seven-year-olds, really. And while, as we heard there, the parents do still have concerns about lasting impacts of what's happened to them, And they'll obviously always keep an eye on both. And we heard there about, you know, some symptoms that they may be experiencing. They seem to be well. They seemed really well. They seemed like full of life. And they're certainly very loved. And we have heard, Liz, over the weekend that what the parents of baby L and baby M are asking for Mm -hmm. might be closer than it was a few days ago because we now know this inquiry might become a judge-led inquiry. Yes, so we've learned that over the weekend, Rishi Sunak said he is going to appoint a senior judge to lead this inquiry, which is a step forward, really. Uh, People are campaigning, obviously, for a public inquiry. If a senior judge is in charge, it's easier to upgrade it to one of those. So we've just got to really watch this space. And what many of the parents and many of the doctors want, actually, is this to be statutory. So that means that anyone involved is compelled to appear. And in addition... All their notes, all the yeah. emails, all the documents are Minutes also of meetings, um, can be compelled. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way that people are really going to get to the truth of the matter. It needs to be a full forensic public inquiry where everyone cooperates and those that need to be there can give evidence on oath and the parents can be reassured that they will get the truth. So that's it for episode 58. You can catch more of our post-verdict episodes on Mel Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. 
you can give us a rating and you can share the podcast. You can also follow me at Liz Hull or send us an email at thetrialofluciletby at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Lucy Letby Trial or follow me at Radio Caroline. See you then. hit series Everything I Know About Me is back for a brand new season and this time our guest needs no introduction. Of course you find me Darren! But here's one anyway. Hi, I'm Gemma Collins and this is Everything I Know About Me. If you think you know all about Gemma Collins, think again because this is the GC as you've never heard her before. It's been exhausting. Unashamed. And I was really heartbroken because I was pregnant and he was having an affair. Unfiltered. I have had an operation as well years ago. I have a designer vagina. Yeah, baby. I don't have camel toe. Unbelievable. And then they advised me, you need to have a termination. And, uh, yeah, I remember that being really stressful. Everything I Know About Me with Gemma Collins is out this Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.